Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. So I want to uh, share something with you, really, really practical. So in our life, we have our plans, right? And then we have things that happen that are not our plans. And then we have our responses to those things that happen. And then we have things that we want to happen in our time, right? Because we're human. And then there's things that happen in God's time. And so there's a whole bunch of different things happening. But the main reason that I'm, I'm sharing this message with you today from my heart is because I want to really see you seize a moment. And this is something that I, it's, it's really, it's a hard, it's hard to communicate because there's so many different facets of why you would miss a moment, Right? But when you, when you get a, a right moment, right, when you, when you do something at the right time, because you can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it, it could affect you adversely. But when you do the right thing at the right time, it, it benefits you, right? So this happens in the natural, like let's say you buy a house when the market is low. So we locked in the lowest mortgage rate you could get. Like it's so low, it's insane. And when we bought our first house with no money, by the way, which is another miracle I never fully explained. This is another story. The bank made a mistake and they did not submit the FHA paperwork on time. Okay, which benefited us because now the loan is not FHA. It, I don't have that insurance requirement and they dropped the percentage which means that my, my payment was cheaper. And then at the end of last year, they sent me money back that they owed me. Okay. The other day I bought a watch. I bought it from Japan. The, the, the yen is down. My money went further than normal. So I got it for one to $2,000 cheaper than I would have got it anywhere else at any other time. This is what I want to, I want to show you something. My mechanic showed me something that I didn't know, and he really helped me. So when you buy a Mercedes, I say when, not if, when you buy a Mercedes or a BMW, there's a certain problem that these cars are prone to, even though they're very nice cars. Flat Besides flat tires, they, that's the other situation, praise God I haven't had a flat tire yet. <laughs> so uh, the other situation that they have is they are not good at sealing the engine. This is a problem that German engineered cars have. So I have an old school mechanic, a Jamaican guy named Norman, and he comes to my house. He's known me for 30 years. He does not charge me for uh, material. So whatever the material is, he charges. There's no upcharge, right? He comes to my house and he works on the car in my driveway. So I get parts for cost and the only thing I pay for is labor. Right, so this is a, f a favorable opportunity. Right, so so anyway, when I was looking for my first car, which Joseph took me to to get, and that's a funny story. We were on the way to a ministry trip. Sarah was driving. I was in the front seat of my Escalade, and I was eating chipotle on the way to a ministry engagement. We couldn't stop. I didn't have my seatbelt on. We couldn't. She couldn't stop in time, and they totaled the car. Right. And the car was worth more than I owed because I got it at a favorable time. 
I paid $20,000 for a $76,000 truck. That's timing. So you have to let the Lord, you have to let the Lord time, you know, you have to let him. So they gave me more money than I owed. So I made like $5,000 off of the deal. But then I had to tithe off of that. So I tithe off of that because I want to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all my increase. So then that means that I didn't have exactly what I needed for my next down payment. So I was short. So I walk into a pastor's church that I'm not even preaching at, and his wife comes up and gives me a thousand dollar check, and now I'm back. Now I'm up five hundred. <laughs> now I'm five hundred in the plus, and now I'm looking for these cars, and I'm getting impatient. I don't know if you've ever get that way, and uh, so I'm on. I'm so desperate now. I'm on Route Forty Six. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like in desperation mode. So, so if you know, you know, if Shady was a place, it's like Route 46, you know? So I'm like, I'm in Route 46 and I'm looking and I got my flashlight out. And I got my flashlight and my iPhone at night. At night, I'm really desperate, man. I'm, I'm stressed out. So I'm upset, you know, and I'm, I've got money. I can't even spend it now. You know, I'm, I'm like upset. So I'm looking and uh, so, the, so the, the, the dealer's looking at me like, yo, what is this guy doing? And I, I pop the hood, and, I, and I, we, open, we shine the light, and I go, no. And he's like, what do you mean no? And I, he, see, he taught me what to look for. My mechanic taught me what to look for. So what I was looking for is a bone-dry oil pan. If the oil pan is not bone-dry, walk away. Walk away. Why am I telling you this story? Thank God. I found the right one. Joseph took me. We got there. I got my first one. I left the dealership crying in the car, crying, 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 because I was so thankful to the Lord. My phone bill was more than my car payment. See, when, when, you, when you get $224.05, that's what I paid for that car, or $59,000 car a month, you could eat off of it. But th this is the point. The, the, the point of what I'm getting at is not about material things. It's not about anything like that. The point of, of what I'm trying to get at is you have to know what to look for. When you are shopping, when you are, let's say, you're going to go buy a house, you've got you to check the roof. You've got to check the foundation. You've got you to look at the boiler. You, you have, there's certain things that you have to learn to look for or you could really get Get yourself in, you can get got in the New Jersey language. You can get got pretty, pretty, pretty quick and pretty bad. So I'm saying this because through my mechanic's experience, he was able to just impart just a little bit of wisdom. Just a little bit of wisdom. I'm not, I don't understand how cars work. I can drive them real fast and lose my license. But, uh, which that happened to me too as a pastor. My pastor would pick me up and make fun of me every, every, every Tuesday we would have pastor's meetings, and he would come all the way to Little Ferry to pick me up and make fun of me for the first five minutes, and then leave me alone. And so even as a pastor, you know, you don't have to be perfect. If anyone says, you know, you got to be perfect, they're just not human. But, but you have to learn. If you don't learn from your craziness, I used to pay more money for car insurance than my car payment. So I know all about stupid. So if, if you hear me stand up and talk about stupid... I'm telling you, I'm talking about myself, things that I've done, not who I am now, but I have, listen, I have a PhD in dumb and a PhD in disappointment, and dumb leads to disappointment. So I'm, I'm here, I, I say this stuff, 
Yes, I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to save you from stupid. You know, because stupid is, is, is expensive and stupid is not sustainable and stupid is painful. So I'm trying to save you. Now, this is a Greek word for kairos. So when you look in the New Testament, you, there's many times you'll see the word time. And in the New Testament, there's several words for time. There's four of them. One is chronos. That's watch time. That's time that can be measured. So Jesus came in the fullness of time through the womb of a virgin because of the 70-week Daniel prophecy. So that's actually watch time, 490 years from the prophecy. So there's that. That's, so that's watch time. That's time which can be measured. So you have that. Then you have uh, the word where you get aura, but it's just really the word hour. So like the hour of prayer. So you have that. Then there's another word um, that you see the word time in English, but it's actually the word it, now. Which DK got a, a sneak preview on that. I can't wait to send that to my pastor. But, and then there is this word kairos, where it is a divine moment in time. It's almost like when heaven invades earth, when eternity breaks into now, and when there's something that is happening that is very unique and important. So it's really hard to find a full description of how special this moment is, but what I can say is that the gift of faith is, has the ability to take Kronos time and make it a Kairos moment. Kairos moments are defining moments. They're really important times where you have to be exceptionally um, uh, sharp and, and perceptive to what is happening because you could miss something that is really God. And what I found is that it's usually not like sinful, crazy things that make us miss it. It's usually self-will. It's usually not like I was at, you know, a party drinking a sort of cocaine all night and I missed it. It's usually not that. Once you get some common sense and stop doing that, it's usually more of like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I have plans. I did this. And it's like, Yes, that's fine, but you didn't ask God and you didn't think about it and you didn't pray about it. You just went into default mode and did what you wanted and you missed what God wanted. And I'm telling you, it's very easy to miss these moments. And the whole purpose of me saying this to you, this whole message today is with the heart behind, I don't want you to miss those moments because they will bring forth the testimony of the Lord in your life they will add confidence to your faith. They will add boldness to your faith. It will add blessing to your life. And it will, it will, it will show you in reality, not just saying, God is with me, yeah, it's cute. God is with me. But no, 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 God is with you. And, and people will say, oh, okay, <laughs> God is with him. God is with her. Okay, I see something. Because when people see, see, we're religious. We go, oh, we came to the altar. We cried. We felt good. You know, we had a great service and went an hour. The world doesn't understand that. The world sees other stuff, real stuff. And that's the stuff that, that gets people's attention. So anyway, I want to share this. Now, if you go to Romans 12, right? The, what is the point of Romans 12, right? 12, 1 and 2. It is, we're going we're gonna to go there just for a minute because this is, the, this is important for us not to miss this moment. Romans 12, this is a very 
known passage, and I'm not going to preach this passage, but I want to bring this passage to the forefront of our minds as we get into Kairos, because there's something here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So worship starts with the body. You have to tame your body and your sexuality and your appetites. Esau sold his inheritance for a bowl of soup. So if you don't control your appetites, your appetites will control you. And that's not just sexual. But often that's the most dominant one that most people struggle with. Most people are not selling their birthright for a bowl of soup. But you have to be careful with a bowl of soup. You have to be careful that your appetites don't control you. Okay. And do not be conformed to this world, this aeon or this age. This, th that, is, that is not cosmos, but it's the aeon, which means it is the spirit that is dominant in this time. One of the things I was praying today at this altar, I'm saying, God, show yourself strong in a generation of weak people. Show yourself strong. Show yourself strong. Because now weakness is what's normal. And if you're not like that, you stick out. I'll give you an example, something that my wife just did, which was a defining moment for her, and she doesn't even know fully how much of a defining moment it was. She went without my solicitation, without me saying one word to her. I didn't say one word to her. I supported her. I didn't tell her to think about it. I didn't tell her to pray about it. She went on her own, with her own courage, and went to the union and says, I'm getting out of the union. My money is not going to this wicked stuff. I'm not into this. I'm not paying for it. I'm out. People say, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't. Yes, you can. She went to them and she didn't ask them. She told them. You know what they said to her? You are the only one in this whole district that did that. Good for her. That's a defining moment. You don't have to have a big mouth to be bold. Just that's a, that's a big misconception. You don't have to be loud and boisterous and crazy to be bold. You, to be bold is all you need to do is hear from God and obey him. So they said to her, you are the only one. And she said, okay, great. You know, that's, you know that she, she made her choice. She decided because they are supporting all types of wicked stuff. And she confronted them head on by herself. That was a defining moment in her life because I cannot speak for her. She is her. Yesterday, the hell is breaking loose with Elijah. All these things are happening. I'm not there dealing with it. She has to deal with that. That's how she grows. You, you don't grow by your husband handling everything for you. You have to step up and be a woman of God yourself and, and learn to handle things on your own. The same way when a, when a woman is fielding all the balls for her husband because he's frail and can't handle stuff. No, you got to just man up and, and really handle stuff. So the Lord will allow you to be isolated. So you have to stand up and speak yourself. So I want to encourage you that whatever God is telling you to do, do it. Because this is when you, when you take courage in your life, that's a defining moment. I know for sure my finances are going to explode more because of that. Why? She says, I am not putting my money into that. So what is she going to do? She's going to support a Christian organization that would represent her in case there's an issue. She's a tenured teacher. She doesn't do anything. The kids put a sign on her, on her door and they called her the therapist. 
See? So you, 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 have to, you have to, this is the thing. That was whether she knew it or not, that was a defining moment where she stood up and did the right thing. Last night I was with a young man, 27-year-old, crazy young guy. God told him to plant a church. He planted a church. And I was shocked. I was just like, wow, this is good. And then I said, to, I said, I said, what my pastor did for me, I'm going to do for him. I'm going to encourage this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help. I'm going to save him time. I'm going to save him a lot of pain. And I was so happy because he was crazy enough to obey God. And the whole point of this message is for you to be crazy enough to obey God because the blessing of the Lord follows obedience. The love of God is unconditional. Unconditional. You are loved. You are treasured, valued. You know, he'll hug you and kiss you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the blessing of God, no, no, no. It's not unconditional. It's fully conditional. It's conditional on obedience and alignment. And the enemy works to push us away from relationships and opportunities that would help us kairos. Okay? Now, bless you. Now, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have two options. Conformed, which is you go with the flow, or you do what Sarah did and say, no, I'm not putting my money to that. And you stand against the grain. Be conformed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So the, the whole point of the transformation of your mind in your life is so that you will be able to recognize the will of God. But sometimes the will of God and the plans of God come in the timing of God. So it's not like you have 30 days to respond you need to respond now. There are times where, like, if you don't respond now, you will miss it. I mean, I don't know if you, if, you, if you ever have experienced that in your life, but it's like, respond now or miss it. Because the world is not waiting for you. Look at the rich young ruler. Jesus said, come follow me, and he, he, he was sad. He couldn't. Jesus didn't come back around next week. He missed it. He missed it. That's why we don't know his name. But blind Bartimaeus, he didn't miss it. Jesus was walking by and he's like, son of David. They're like, shut up. <laughs> he's like, son of David. He's screaming, getting everyone. To... He didn't miss it. He seized his moment. So this is, this is what I want you to really see, that the point of, trans, uh, of the transformation of your mind is not so that we can become more religious. It's not so that we can become a more uh, mean mean-spirited and we're right and they're wrong and us versus them. No, 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 no. The, the, the purpose of the renewing and the transformation of your mind is so that you can recognize what God is doing so that you can get behind what God is doing because the fastest way to get blessing in your life is to get behind what God is doing. The, 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 the fastest way is not to try to convince God to bless what I'm doing. That doesn't work. The fastest way to blessing, people are like, they don't really believe that. The fastest way to blessing is to get behind God. Do you know, let me say this to you. Do you know why most people who are called won't respond? Most people who are called by God for ministry, most of you are not called for that, but people who are really called for ministry, for a full-time capacity ministry, the reason they don't do it is because they don't believe that God can really bless their life. They believe they can bless their life more than God can bless their life. That's the thing that prohibits people. 
They're like, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. They believe in their heart of hearts that they can do better with their life than God. That's why. It's not the devil that stops people from serving God. It's mammon. It's you will either serve God or you will either serve mammon. So anyway, so we want to think biblically. Now, the birth of Christ was, let me, let me give you this before the birth of Christ. We have the star, which is a part of the whole birth. Watch this whole thing in verse 2, uh, Matthew 2, 7. It says, for Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So the star shining over the baby was Kairos. Jesus spoke that star into existence. Jesus named that star, and Jesus said that thing should shine. And then it came and identified him. Why? Because the heavens declared the glory of God, all three heavens. The first heaven, which is the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The second heaven, which is the demonic realm. Remember when the, when the, the angels came singing glory to God in the highest? They testified. Remember the demons? Ah, don't, don't torture us before the time. Kairos. The heavens, plural, declare the glory of God. And now the first heaven, which is the stars, the firmament, declare the glory of God. So he told that thing to shine, and it shined, it did. So let's continue. So the, the, the birth of Christ was Kronos. The star shining was Kairos. Okay? Jesus... Um, the temptation of Jesus. Let's look at this for a second. I'm going to jump through a lot of scripture today on purpose, just so you know. I haven't lost it. But uh, Luke 4 in verse uh, 13. This is after Jesus resisted all of the enemy's temptations. It says this in verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until... An opportune time. This is one of the only times that you see the word Kairos, Kairos twice. <laughs> the enemy tempting you is Kairos time because if you pass through the temptation in faithfulness, you, there is a reward. The very next verse, Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit. See, you, you, you have to understand that Every, that even opposition is an opportunity. Okay. We're going to go Mark 1. Mark 1. I'm doing something that I normally don't do. I usually camp out more in a passage, but I'm doing this on purpose today. Mark 1, this is Jesus starting his ministry. He says that these are red letters. The time is fulfilled, Kairos... The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. So repent is not feel bad for your sins, feel bad for your past, and feel ashamed. That's not what this is talking about. Oh, you should feel bad and you should change, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about reframing how you think and how you see to think differently about this time and about this season because you thought the kingdom of God coming was geopolitical, but it's on earth as it is in heaven. 
You thought that it was just about, you know, one nation, but it's about all of the nations of the earth, starting with the nation that I promised it to. So they, they didn't, they couldn't see that. They were thinking Isaiah 63 before Isaiah 53. They, did, they were not looking for a suffering servant. Oppressed people don't want to hear a suffering servant. They want violence. Oppressed people want violence because they feel that, that they, they're owed that. But Jesus wanted to deal with the real issue, why they were in exile and why they were in captivity and why they were slaves in their own land and why they were an occupied people. And it was because of their sins. So Jesus came to deal with the real issue. They didn't want to deal with the real issue. They wanted an outside breakthrough. Jesus said, I want an inside change. They wanted Jesus to, to clean the, in, the outside of the cup because, because people are coming over. Throw everything in the closet. People are coming over. Jesus goes, no, I want to go into the closet and I want to get all the poison out of the closet. That's one of the things when Jesus comes to town, all the monkeys start coming out of the closet. You, the closer you get to the fire, the more you get exposed. The closer you get into real community, the more you get exposed. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. That's okay. That, that's a good thing. God wants to remove, as Sarah was saying, the impurities from our life. This is a good thing. Nothing to feel ashamed about. This is the safest space and place to deal with that. Nobody's going to judge you. We are all here based on the assumption that we need help. <laughs> you know, the gospel that I preach, I need. Yeah. So, so, so it's like, okay. Repent, the time is fulfilled. So this is when he announced and when he began his ministry, that was Kairos. So when you begin the ministry that God has for you, that's a Kairos moment. These are moments that you're marked by. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So if something is at hand, I've, I've said this so many times and I, I have to keep saying it. If something is at hand, it is within reach. Which means the time is now. Now faith. Faith operates in the now. Unbelief always tries to push faith into the future. We'll go to heaven when we die. Well, you know, one day Jesus will make it all right. What about right now? What about right now? Unbelief always wants to push what God wants to do now into the future because it doesn't want to assume responsibility for now. All right, we're going to continue. The ministry of Jesus. Uh, here's Matthew 14, 1. Watch this. Stick with me. We might get out earlier than normal today if you stick with me. Matthew 14, 1. At that time, watch this. Herod heard, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. Uh, he is risen from the dead and therefore... These powers are at work within him. So now Herod, he has a guilty conscience. So Herod has, he thinks it's John the Baptist because he had John the Baptist killed. But it's not John the Baptist, it's Jesus. That just shows you that they believe in resurrection. They believe in a God who raised the dead, even though he's killing the prophets. <laughs> it's, like, it's a whole other message, you know. Uh, you know, because people, many people don't do what they believe. That's a real way. You want to torment yourself? You know the most tormented people are Christians who know better and don't do better. Who know what they should do and don't do it. I used to live like that, so I know. They're miserable. Miserable people. Some of us have been there for, you know, we, we, we've been in that misery. 
and God doesn't want us there. Okay, at that time, Herod heard the, the report. Herod the Tetrarch heard the report. So the report of the Lord is Kairos. So when I release the testimony of the Lord, that is a Kairos moment. This is what it says in Revelation. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you go back to Hebrew, when I give a testimony, Julius gave a testimony, hopefully that was a prophecy for someone. Hopefully someone said, you know what, I'm going to stop half-tithing. Hopefully I'm going to start giving. I'm going I'm to start being faithful so that I can then walk in the blessing of that. See, so, so when you release the report of the Lord, when you release the testimony of God, it creates a kairos moment in time where God could invade, where heaven can invade earth. That's why the testimony is so powerful. Just so you know, the testimony is not the gospel. So your testimony is not the gospel. Jesus' testimony is the gospel. People talk about their testimony like it's the gospel. That's beautiful, but it's not the gospel, but, but it is a result of the gospel. It's not the gospel, but it is a result of the gospel. So you should know and value your testimony, okay? So when you release the testimony, it releases the kingdom of heaven. Let's continue. Matthew 11. This one, I love this one a lot. Listen to this. This is beautiful. This is Jesus talking. He says, at the time, Kairos, at the time. Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So he's talking about the revelation of, of, of Jesus, like who Jesus is. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. So, remember when Jesus said, flesh and blood, he said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So when God gives you revelation concerning Jesus, when God gives you insight concerning Scripture, when God shows you something that you cannot see through flesh and blood, that's Kairos. And we're living in a season where the Bible says in Daniel, which we're going to get into not today, Knowledge will increase. Knowledge, but wisdom has not increased. You know how you become a commodity? You get wisdom. Because people have all this knowledge and no wisdom. They have all the data and don't know how to handle a problem. They have knowledge. We have thumb drives that have more information on them than computers when we were in high school. Yet, no wisdom. See, when God gives you, in the new covenant, when God gives you revelation, the, the, the wisdom of God in the new covenant is hidden in a mystery. Which means that I cannot have wisdom without revelation. So, when God reveals something to me, that, wi that, that wisdom comes through the revelation. How do I get revelation? If my heart is not humble and hungry, I cannot have revelation. So you don't have revelation. If you don't press, you don't get. So you, ha you have to learn 
how to be hungry. You have to, if, if you feed people, if you're a pastor or you're, you're, you're a speaker, you, your appetite better be hungry, better be, hung, better be more than your, 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 your responsibility to feed because then I'm not feeding you. I'm living on fumes. You better have a big appetite and an inquisitive heart and an inquisitive mind if you want to feed people. Because a lot of times when you're feeding people, it's like breastfeeding adults. Okay. Stick with me. Don't worry. I'm not. All right. Galatians 6, 9. This is about you. We went over this one, but this one has to be, I got to give you more for you. I realize that you are important. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, Kairos, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So you reaping, and if you, if you read this, he's talking about, right before this, he says, let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. That's a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into that. But he's actually talking about material stuff, like in the real world. So that the harvest here is not talking about just agricultural. He's talking about a harvest of you getting paid what, what you should get paid. Like you, so this is the thing. The enemy wants you to tap out before you get a harvest because your harvest is a testimony and your harvest is kairos. And the harvest is, is, is kairos and the testimony is kairos. And you know what comes with harvest? Sabbath. And you know what Sabbath is? Sabbath is also Kairos. See, because here's what happens. When, when you press and God gives revelation and you sow seed and you reap, that's all Kairos, which leads to Sabbath. You know when you really get blessed? Come on. Come on, don't get religious on me. You know when a big check clears or you look in your account and you go, you go, Come on, don't get religious. You, there, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, a calm with a little smile. <laughs> Brett is already prepared for the devil to come knocking. But, but this is how it works. This is how it works. God wants us to seize these moments because we're his kids. You, you have to remember that God is predominantly a father. He is a father, and as a father, if you're, you know, if you're not a complete deadbeat, you, you want to create moments of value for your kids. Whether those moments are blessing, whether those moments are discipline so they don't become disasters, whatever those moments are, you plan moments to enrich the life of your children because they bear your image and you love them. And if you don't do that, you need help. <laughs> you, know, you, you need a lot of help, you know. But most of us, Jesus said to his best guys, if you being evil, imagine he calls his best guys evil. You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, right? How much more will the Holy Spirit, will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? Okay, let's do Matthew 12. We're going to go back and forth. I know we're going a lot of scripture, but this is church. This is not Netflix. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 1. I'm almost there. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said, Look, 
your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. What they were doing is they were misinterpreting Scripture. And they were using the Scripture against people who were doing something that was good. So the whole purpose of Sabbath is not to stress you out and burn you out and feel more worked over because that's not the point. The whole point of Sabbath, it's not about a religious ritual. It's about you being restored and renewed. So if you're a human being, to be restored and renewed, you have to sleep, right? You have to eat. You have to go to the bathroom. There's certain things that you have to do that helps everything keep <laughs> flowing. And one of those things is eating. So they're walking through the grain field and they're plucking off stuff to eat. And the religious people are nitpicking. Oh, look at what they're doing on the Sabbath. Look at this. But the whole purpose of it is they're missing it. The Sabbath is kairos. It is a time where heaven invades earth and God restores his people. All the other days are not kairos. Don't you realize there's a major battle for your rest? Don't you? I mean, you don't, you don't like, have you ever like considered the amount of warfare that comes against you actually resting? Yeah. Every week, every day. But that, 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 that shows you the value of it. I mean, th th that should give you an indicator. Wait a second. There is something, like one of the things it says in the King James Version is that he hallowed the Sabbath day. So th there are two things that were, were hallowed. God's name and a day he created to encounter his name. So you, you have to really see, and I'm, I'm, what I'm not preaching to you is religion, because ultimately our Sabbath is a person, not a day. But if you don't take a day, and if you don't learn to rest, you'll hurt yourself. So anyway, the last, time I wanted, last thing I want to hear is that guy talking. <laughs> it's an insane, Okay. Now, here's another one. Let's go to Matthew um, 13. This is about the judgment. Matthew 13. You will find the word time there somewhere. I can't figure the verse. Let me go. Uh, I'll use Acts. Forget about that one. I'll go to Acts 13. Give me, give me a second. I made a mistake in my notes. Acts 13, verse 11. Acts 13, if you can go there with me, 13, and this is 11. Now, this is a really crazy one. This is the first time, oh man, this is nuts. So if you look, this is real crazy. This is a preacher one. Oh man, it's getting late. <sighs> All right, in Acts 13, in Acts 13, Saul is still Saul. In Acts, at the end of it, he becomes Paul. This is fascinating. I can't preach the whole thing. Now when Paul and his party had set sail. Oh, I missed it. Hold on. My bad. Then Saul, verse 9. 
I'm going to give you verse 9. Then Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, you full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. Kairos. So the judgment of God is Kairos. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and went around seeing, and when he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw him uh, what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Verse 13. Now when Paul and his party. When you, when you begin the chapter, it is Saul. And it is Saul, it is Barnabas, now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul. Follow me. It's Barnabas and Saul. There's a switch in the narrative and it shifts and now he becomes Paul. And it's his party, no longer Barnabas' show, it's his show. What's the point there? The point there is that as an apostle, he has power and he has authority. He released the judgment of God. You know, Peter pronounced the judgment of God on Ananias and Sapphira. He cursed them and they left in a body bag. We don't, you don't really see this in, in the American context a lot. Sometimes it happens. But you see this in Africa where, where a witch doctor will, will, will curse and, and an apostle will curse the witch doctor and he'll die. Like, the, the, God, God will, will stretch out his hand and he'll release judgment so that his move, the movement of God is not hindered or thwarted. You see that? It's, it's biblical. People don't like to talk about it. It makes people really uncomfortable. But it's, it's always specifically, it's never about, oh, they said something about me, so I'm going to judge them. No, it's always about people who are trying to contaminate and hinder the gospel. That's who the judgment of God breaks out against in the new covenant. Those who reject the mercy of God. So it's not God arbitrarily judging sinful people because they're sinful. You can just do all that. He'll leave you to your own devices and you can destroy yourself. But who God will get involved with is people who are actively trying to hinder and stop the gospel. Some he'll save, some he'll judge. Think of what he did with Saul. He saved them. But this guy... Blindness was released on him so that he could then later see. You understand? So, so this, is, this is important. But when the judgment was released, because when, when, remember what Saul was. Saul was someone who opposed the gospel. Now he's a defender of it. When he stepped into it as a defender, he stepped into the fullness of his apostolic role and calling. And now it's no longer Barnabas' show. It's his show. And the narrative shifts from Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas when he stepped into the fullness of who he's supposed to be. When you step into the fullness of who you're called to be, it's different. Everything is really different. That's, that's all. I cannot really preach that whole thing, but it's all there. All right. Um, Mark 10. This is another one here. Mark 10. Verse 30. I'm in Matthew. Oh, my Lord. Mark 10, verse 30. So Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, 
There is no one who has left house, brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, Kairos. So he's talking about people that leave for the Gospel. So if, if you stand up in a church, you go to a church, and someone stands up and tells you, you're going to receive a hundredfold seed. Don't listen to them. They're lying to you. They're trying to manipulate you. You do not receive a hundredfold seed sowing a seed. You, re you receive a hundredfold seed when you get in the bucket and you become the offering and you leave everything for the sake of the gospel. That's who gets a hundredfold return, not someone who sows a thousand dollars. So if anyone ever tells you that, tell them you don't know what you're talking about and just move on. So, but when that reward comes in this life, that's Kairos. Think of Peter. He, he's the one, he's like, we left everything for you. Like, <laughs> like, what's in it for us? You know, like, who did they come? They came and they laid money at the feet of the apostles. That's a hundredfold return. People were selling their properties and giving it to them to steward it, to manage it. So, so there's, there's a level of stewardship and management. And, and people, apostolic people and, and prophets too, people come and give them money because they have an assignment. This is normal. You should, if you have an assignment on your life, people will give you money. I was saying one of the ways I know for sure my daughter has a major assignment on her life. Out of anyone in Rescue Church, she gave the most money to our Belize water filter. I never count like who gives the most, let me smile at you because you give more. I don't care about that. I have friends that are really rich and give real money and I don't care about that. So like if you give $500, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're amazing. Like this is your, it's between you and the Lord. I just happen to know about it because I'm a steward. But I'm not, I don't treat people differently because they tithe more or less or rob God on their tithe. I just love people and God will settle you and, and you'll figure that out. But the blessing of the Lord is on my life. So yeah, I'm thankful for that. So, so this is really something because you cannot, you have, to, you have to just learn to just trust God and, and not, try to, not try to manipulate it. So anyway, they, so they gave, a hundred, he, he's talking here, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the time to come. All right, let's continue. I don't know what I was going to say. I just forgot what I was going to say. I had a, a brain lapse. Uh, Luke 12, we're almost done. Oh, I was saying something about Zoe. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. I was saying something about Zoe. You know, and you know, she, you guys supported her, which I appreciate. You know that that girl, she gave $794. And she had overflow in her mission account of $332. She's like buying her brother's plane ticket. I mean, she's like, that's how you know there's an assignment on her life. Because people give to her. When I go and I preach, she comes with me. People give her offerings. They, they went to Elijah the other day, and a lady, a, a children's church worker, gave him an envelope. He smiled at her. He goes, there's money in it. <laughs> I mean, because th th there's an assignment. There's a multi-generational assignment. And where there's assignment comes resources. 
God is going to resource this house so, so much. You're going to, in the next five years, you're going to be shocked. Okay. Now, okay, Luke 12, where are we, 42? Yes, 42. This is another one. This is really something. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise steward for whom his master will take and make ruler over his household and give them their portion of food in due season. The word season there is kairos. So, so watch this. So listen, if you want it, you cannot be wise if you're not faithful. So one of the most old school principles, we would use the word diligent, but faithful is, is a more spiritual, but diligent is Bible too. But being diligent and consistent is, is, is so important. You can, I cannot overestimate how important it is. Think of Matthias. You don't know his name. Nobody knows who he is. But he was there from the beginning. And because he was there from the beginning, he was brought forward. He was selected. He was made one of the 12. And his name is on the eternal city, one of the pillars in the eternal city of God in the new heavens and the new earth. Consistency brought him there. You don't see one thing that he did or said, yet he showed up enough for God to bring him forward. Never, ever underestimate the power of consistency. Because if God says, you know what, you've been consistent, I'm going to bring you forward, there's not a devil in hell that can stop that. If God says, oh, no, I'm going to bless Steph's life in a way she doesn't expect, there's not a devil in hell that can stop that. So if you seek to be faithful to the Lord, the Lord can bring you forward into the plans that he has for you. Now, this is a difficult one, but this is a true one. Suffering. Romans 8. Suffering. I know we don't really like suffering. We got all types of pills and things to avoid any type of suffering. But, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, kairos, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In us. The inheritance, his inheritance is, is in us. The things that God reveals to us belong to us and our children. They, they, this, is, this is important. Our children and the children that you have and the children that are coming, they need to see you walking with the Lord and they need to and recognize the favor that God has on your life. You know what Zoe said to me yesterday, the other day? I couldn't believe it. We were driving somewhere. Oh, to the hospital. We're driving to the hospital. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, I don't want to park. I'm trying to avoid parking, but I have to park. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like in a different season. And, and so I go into the parking lot. And I, as soon as I go in, I make a right. And it's, there's a spot right there. Zoe says to me, Dad, when I'm with you, there's always a parking spot for you. I mean, to be honest, I didn't roll in there. I mean, if I can be honest with you, I didn't roll up. They're like, oh, praise God, you know. There's always a spot for me. You know, I'm God's favorite, you know, person. I'm just so amazing. Uh, thank God, uh, you know, I'm so happy with myself. I really just want to get the heck out of there. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that spirit of like, pray, you know. And Zoe recognized what God is doing. So you, you, ha you have to recognize that people 
and your children recognize your lifestyle and they see God or not God. <laughs> you know, they, they see the situation, uh, which is very telling. Okay, so, but even in suffering, right? Suffering is a kairos moment, is a divine moment in time where you can give God honor and glory in the midst of resistance. It's like a sacrifice of praise. It's different than seeing Jesus face to face and falling apart. It's like that blessing of not seeing and still believing. And, and it's like in Hebrews 11, they all died in faith. So it wasn't a lack of faith that didn't bring the breakthrough. It just wasn't a time. But yet they lived in faith with the expectation of what God promised. And they were faithful in their generation. And they persevered. So the, the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy uh, to, 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 they're not worth. So in, in this time, you're going through a temporary light affliction, but it's working an eternal weight of glory. So you go through, you know, trials and tribulations, but it's doing something beautiful and precious in you. Okay, Acts 12. We're almost done. We're almost done. Acts 12. This is now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some uh, from the church. And this is a really difficult story because James gets uh, killed and Peter gets uh, released from prison supernaturally. And the gospel doesn't sanitize us from suffering. So, so that's, that's the thing that's like, you may, the, go, the same gospel may get you, you know, out of jail or it may get you your head chopped off. That's how, how, that's how it be. You know, sometimes it'd be like that because... You're living in a world that's broken and full of sin. My, my daughter is writing a story about a missionary who went to Korea and got her head chopped off. This is what she's writing about at eight years old. Because reality has gripped her. She's aware of the sinfulness of the world. And the, as N.T. Wright says, the church advances through miracle and martyrdom. But no matter what, we're advancing. But so now about the time Herod stretched, uh, the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. So when there is a persecution that arises from powers, political powers, that is a kairos moment for the church. You have to seize every moment. You have to, it doesn't matter if it's like a financial breakthrough or a difficulty or hardship. Embrace every moment that God has. Get to know God in that moment and be faithful through that moment. And there will be a deposit of glory for you in that moment. Okay. Like, for example, when my mom died, I said, I'm not getting robbed of this moment. What I want from this moment is I want when someone is suffering. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who is really suffering. Like, but there's people who don't really want to be comforted. But there's people who want, really do want to be comforted. And for the people that really do want to be comforted, I want to be able to step right into their moment and feel them and put my arm around them and be like, bro, you're going to make it. I said, I'm not going to waste the pain of this moment but I want this moment to help me to become fully present for people when they're going through it. And God, God is always looking for someone, a man or a woman, to step into someone's moment and embrace them and say, listen, it's going to be all right. You know, a lot of times, you know what people need? A hug. People need, they need to be reassured. They need, they need a shoulder to cry on. They need a firm handshake and you're going to make it. 
you know, they, they, they need that. And so we want to be that for people. Okay, uh, at Mark 13, 33, this is another interesting one. Mark 13, we only have a few more, so praise the Lord. Mark 13, 13, 13, 13, 33. Now this is speaking about no one knowing the hour. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. This is speaking of the coming of the Lord. But the coming of the Lord, like him coming back, right? His feet, literal feet, touching down on Mount Zion. Like, I'm talking about a full-on coming of the Lord. That's Kairos. So his death was Kairos, and his coming was Kairos. His birth was Kronos, according to the prophecies. All right. Um, you can also find that same one in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Now, this is the last one I'm going to do because this is, a, this is something different. This is a little different on purpose. And this is, this is the one I want us to see because we, have, we, we, are, we are very, as Americans, we're very individualistic. I learned this one time when I was in Haiti after the earthquake and I had my friends, they were living in a box truck. And I gave my friend Jordan some cash, you know, just so he can eat and live. And he didn't see that I saw what he did with the money. I gave him a $100 bill, uh, excuse me, $100 in cash in 20s. And he was living in a box truck. And his door wasn't a door, it was like a shower curtain. You know the little shower curtains? Like, mine has like toothpaste all over it. Because of kids, it's disgusting. So, but anyway... So, he, before he put the money in his pocket, he turned around and he gave his boy a 20 and his boy a 20 and then he put the rest of the money in his pocket. And I fell apart. I broke and I started weeping like a baby. Because at that point, it's like, if you give me money, that doesn't even mean you gave my wife money. That means you gave me money. You follow me what I'm saying? Like, this is my breakthrough here. This is not your, you know... But yet this guy, he didn't even put, he didn't even count the money. He didn't even put the money in his pocket. His first instinct was to give. That really, really hit me because he sees himself as part of a whole, as part of a, a collective, as part of a body, as part of a family. This is something that we struggle with in the West. We are great at our individual, my Jesus, my Lord, me, me, I. We, and and there's, there's some very important truths to the personalization of our faith. That's true. I'm not minimizing that. But we lack many times to understand the beauty of the collective. And so I want to show you just one thing on the collective. And it's almost like a warning to us to be like very cautious how as a unit we are like responding to the Lord. Okay, Luke 19 and verse 44. I'll start in verse 41. Uh, now as they drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. So this is Jesus. This is after the triumphal entry. This is after he comes into uh, the city of Jerusalem on the donkey. And it says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known even... You, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace. But they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come 
when your enemies will build an embarkment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because, say because, because. you did not know the kairos, the time of your visitation. So the word for visitation here is the word is where we get the word bishop. So the word visitation is not really a visitation like, hey, I come to visit you. It's the word inspection. When you build a house, when you make a renovation, you if you're doing it legally, you know, you're not shady. No, I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, they wanted, you know, a permit for you to use the bathroom in your own house nowadays. But so anyway, I'm going to get out of this. So, but, but when the inspector comes, he has to make sure that everything is right. And then he signs off on it. And then you can close the walls. You know, they've, they've air tested the, you know, the gas line. And, you know, they, there's, there's ways to see. One of the things they do is they spray Windex on a gas line, and if it bubbles, there's leaks. So there's, there's ways to, to really test it, and, and they need, they, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Anything real doesn't mind being tested. And, um, but anyway, so he says that you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know, the, the bless you, the kairos of your inspection. He's talking about the city of Jerusalem. He's talking to them about the fall of Jerusalem. If you are someone who's aware of history, there's, there's a Jewish historian named Josephus. He writes about this time. He writes about this error. This, this out of all of the prophecies that Jesus made, this is the most insanely detailed prophecy in the New Testament. This is the most, like, insane as it relates to detail when it says that not one stone will remain on top of another when the temple when they brought the temple down they flipped every stone of the roof upon each other because there was gold on the roof and the romans scraped all of the gold and robbed them blindly they robbed them they ran their pockets hardcore and he said, if you would have known the way of peace, so the people of God were wanting to do God's will and God's work their way. So when you have a group of people who are corporately obstinate to what God is wanting to do, not only do they pay for it, their children pay for it. So what, I, what I'm bringing forth to us is that when God comes to your life and he inspects things, this is a Kairos moment. You, you, we all in our life, listen, we all want to be promoted, right? We all want to grow. We want to flourish. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, that's to be human. That's because, you know, so I'm not in any way demeaning that. I want that, you know, like just like you. But when God comes to inspect things, you, you need to make sure things are like, 
in your life, in your home, in your inner life, you, you want to make sure that things are right because every one of us, every one of us will come under the inspection of God where God will, will walk in and go, it's got to go. Give me that. No good. And I'm, I'm saying this because the children of Israel, they didn't discern the kairos. They didn't discern the visitation. And if you've seen, if you've seen what's been happening in church, today I took a picture. There was almost, almost all of you were at the altar today. Do you see that? There is, there is a visitation of God. But that's an invitation to get things right because there's an inspection. And this is not like, you know, to scare anyone. This is to say like, let's say you're going to go on a far journey with your car, like a really far, like cross country. Like, wouldn't you want to check the oil? Wouldn't you want to fill the gas tank? Wouldn't you want to check the tires? Wouldn't, if, let's say you're going to drive somewhere where it's really, really hot. Wouldn't you want to check the coolant? Like, like is, is this something that you would want to, because in preparation, right, for your journey, you want to be prepared. And so I, I, I sense that there's, there's a visitation of the Lord, and I'm seeing it not only in our church, but I'm seeing it in New Jersey. There's things that have been exposed lately in churches, predators in churches, like not good things in New Jersey, not just in like Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. There's things. Do you know that the, the, the person that used to be the liaison between us and the other church here, do you know he's in jail? Yeah, he's in jail. Child porn. Child porn. Someone that was working with the youth. Yeah. So this is, a, this is an English-speaking gringo church, right? And we rent from a Spanish-speaking church where the pastor is a beautiful, sweet man, loves the Lord, a family guy, has a good son, good children, he's a good guy. But the guy that was working with him, he did, they didn't know. And he got exposed. The Bible says that judgment starts at the house of God. So I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but I'm saying, for example, if we knew that an inspector was coming... You button things up. I'm, I'm here to just graciously encourage you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, put fear in anyone. I'm not trying to do the guilt thing. We're not, this, this is just really, we want to walk. I was with a bunch of pastors on Saturday morning. And we were really like making like a covenant, not like a blood covenant or anything sick. But like, it's like, people were like, what is pastor we were really committing, it's a better word to say that, that word makes me cringe, but we were, we were really committing to walk in holiness before the Lord because this is a major, major problem and it's not just a national problem, it's a local problem. And I, I just want to encourage you that, listen, we all have things in our life. But if there's something that you clearly know is no good, listen, I encourage you, deal with it.
Because the patience of God is not his approval of something. And if you, if you want to go to the next level in your life, you cannot remain as you are in the next level. One of, one of the things that was, was said is to someone in the meeting, if you want to go to the next level, you got to cut this out. This is a grown man talk. This is, you got to. So, you know, this is it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. But ask the Lord to show you. Ask him to show you. Lord, we thank you that you are so good to us, God. And your heart for us is that we would seize the moments that you have created for us. You didn't create uh, the man for Sabbath, but you created Sabbath for the man. You created times and seasons for us to see and seize, for us to encounter you in revelation, in harvest, in suffering, in persecution, in judgment, in uh, blessing, in reward. You have made us for yourself, Lord. And so we don't want to be sharing, you know, you don't want to be sharing us with the world. And so, Lord, I ask you that if there's anything that in our life is unpleasing to you, God, whether it's a thought process, a habit, even a relationship that's dysfunctional and broken, Lord, anything that is in our life, we don't want to grieve you. We don't want to quench you, Holy Spirit. We want to live lives that are clean before you lives that are worthy of the Lord. So I ask you for your grace to be upon your people, uh, to just, just to get rid of anything, Lord, that would not be beneficial to their future in Christ. I love them, Lord, and I pray your blessing on them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.